Welcome back to another episode of Better Than I Found It, the podcast, all things college golf. You're listening to Mike McGraw, the men's golf coach at Baylor. My guest today is former Baylor golfer, Braden Bailey. We discuss his humble upbringing in a small East Texas town, the nine hole golf course where he honed his skills in that town. And it was actually a course that produced two PGA Tour players, Chris Stroud and Andrew Landry. Braden talks with great fondness about his time at Baylor here on the golf team. He's also particularly vulnerable and transparent about life as a mini-tour professional, specifically about the struggles and adversity he has faced as a young pro. Despite those struggles, it's easy to see he hasn't lost his enthusiasm or love for the game. Enjoy the listening. All right, everybody. Let's welcome former Baylor golfer Braden Bailey to the podcast today. Braden, thanks for taking time in between tournaments to join me on Better Than I Found It. Yep, thanks for having me. Glad to be here. It's been a long time coming. It has been a long time coming. I've been trying to get you on this podcast for the longest time, and today you're in Waco practicing in between tournaments, and I just sort of kidnapped you and said, come to the office and we'll record. Yeah, yeah I told you, like, I'll come along when I want when I start playing better, but I haven't really been playing better, so it's just time to come on, I guess. Well, I mean, and that's part of what today's podcast is going to be about is is sort of the life of a uh, when a mini tour pro is struggling, what that feels like, what it looks like, and and since you're kind of right in the middle of that, and you have as much enthusiasm, I can tell for what you're doing, but you're also been in sort of a struggle. So we'll talk a little bit about that. But for those who don't know where you've been since you left Baylor in May or June of 2019, you've been uh, playing mini tour golf, and it's pretty much been on the APT tour, a little bit on the Canadian tour, that type of thing. But so you've been playing pro golf, yeah, and and you've had some success, and then you've had some struggles as well. So I think it's important we talk about those today. It's okay. There's nothing wrong with facing it head on. So uh, first of all. Uh, before we get into you telling me about mini tour life and what that's been like, because I mean, I want the listeners to kind of hear it from a player's point of view. Mm-hmm. But before we do that, let's talk about something I try to do with every player that's still playing the game for a living is to kind of figure out where their start was in the game. Yours was unusual. Yeah. Your, <laughs> yours is not the typical starting mm-hmm. point. So I assume your dad got you into golf, correct? Yeah, yeah. My dad got me into golf. I mean, we have pictures or videos from when I was, I mean, couldn't walk yet, five, six months old of them just kind of standing me up, hitting a little mm-hmm. six-inch putt, making a little six-inch putt with a plastic putter and a plastic ball. Um, I grew up on this little nine-hole golf course in Groves, Texas. Um, I mean, it's not even... 3,000 yards from the back tee just tiny greens can't have a putt longer than 20 feet on the greens so if the wind was blowing and you played nine holes how many greens would you hit in regulation if the wind was blowing hard I mean three or four not too many yeah they were all like kind of Donald Ross style turtle turtle backs too so you weren't gonna hit too many but they weren't the greens weren't the best I mean they were pretty pretty slow so it's not like you had to worry too much about that but um your dad and mom owned the golf course correct for a yeah, while? so they they ran the course. So what happened was in 2005, I believe, we had Hurricane Rita come through, and it pretty much just destroyed the course. Had a lot of trees messed up. The clubhouse got destroyed, and um, my dad and my godfather, uh, my godfather's 
a big real estate guy who lives in Aspen, and he kind of put some money up to buy this golf course, and they had a plan to buy the course, but in order to keep it a course, they were going to sell some mm-hmm. lots on, right. on the side for the residential side to build houses, and um, <laughs> that didn't get, that we didn't really sell those lots, but we kept it the golf course. We ran it for, I think, uh, six years, so it took probably a year, a year and a half for of just hard work after Hurricane Rita to get the course back in shape. We had to resod the greens, like finish up this entire clubhouse. I mean, the clubhouse was, wasn't very nice mm-hmm. in the first place and we redid <laughs> the entire interior. It was disgusting and made this entire patio out back just for everybody kind of enjoy drink mm-hmm. their beer. That's pretty much what happened. It was just a bunch of playing golf playing a lot of golf and drinking a lot of beer and um we had this huge putting green though this is where i this was perfect for me that you could hit i mean 80 foot putts across this thing and we had all these we had lights on the putting green so at night we'd have these little putting matches between me it would just be little 10 12 year old Braden against these just my dad and his friends essentially just playing for a dollar mix which i guess I wasn't an NCAA. I wasn't an NCAA <laughs> athlete then, so I could get away with it. But um, yeah, that's kind of how I got my start in the game—just playing little putting games, and I mean, and then playing also money games out there on the course. From the time I was, I mean, twelve, I was kind of playing with those guys because I was able to do that. It's a three thousand yard golf course, so I can just hit driver wedge and the, the 350 yard par fours and get away with it um so it, well, yeah it was a blast yeah but that was i mean it it wasn't your typical privileged life growing up i mean you had a good childhood but it was also like you were a little guy at a little municipal golf course nine holes and and the thing that most people don't recognize or think about is port natchez groves actually has produced some pretty good players. Yeah. If you think about Chris Stroud, who's played professional golf for 15 or 16 yeah, years, and Andrew Landry, who's probably played almost 10 years now, and, and yourself, who've been out of college for three or four years. I mean, that's a lot of good golf for such a small place. Did you know Chris and Andrew as you were a kid growing up? Yeah, yeah. Obviously, I knew them. I didn't, I was too young. I didn't really grow up playing with them, but they had the same exact start as me growing up on the same little nine hole course. I mean, I, I've talked to each of them about it, and we wouldn't change mm-hmm. anything about the situation we grew up in because it's just it's a it was a perfect golf course because it really got you to develop your short game because you missed a lot of greens and they're tiny so you have to really learn to chip it and putt it really well. So Andrew's been a mentor to me, um, really since I turned pro. He's been a great guy to go to because he kind of went through the same thing that I'm going through right now. He turned pro um, I think after three years at Arkansas and he struggled probably his first at least three years out, maybe four or five years out, he was kind of, he's doing what I'm doing now, kind of slumming on the mini tours and um, really didn't break through until uh, that U.S. Open at Oakmont. He was leading leading right. for quite a while. And uh, and we talked, I, I talked to him probably every few months, just, hey, this is what I'm going through. And he's like, look, man, I've been there. Mm-hmm. You're going to struggle. I struggle all the time right now, and I'm here on the PGA Tour. So... It's just going to be a constant grind, a constant battle, and it's just one of those things you're going to have to learn with. That's how you succeed in professional golf is just dealing with that adversity. I think people see guys like Colin Morikawa and Victor Hovland, they come out and they just succeed right away, and Matthew Wolf, and it's like, that's not normal. 
it's probably much more normal for a guy to come out and, and try to figure things out and, and over time figure his game out. So that's pretty much where you've been. It's great that you have a mentor like Andrew to actually help you along that path because it's not easy. Yeah, no. It would be much nicer to be out there right now doing what Colin, Victor, and those guys are doing. And it's awesome. I mean, I, I played with all of them in college and stuff, and you knew they were kind of destined for it. You can tell. But, um, yeah, that's not the typical route. A little jealous of that route, though. Yeah, it's, it's I, I a lot get, easier than what we're doing now. I, I'm kind of jealous of that route too. Yeah, that's it seems, true. seems like it's easy, but yeah. we we both know it's not. So, all right. So we'll get back to mini tour golf and kind of where you are right now. Great to know that you've had mentors like Chris Stroud and Andrew Landry to kind of pull you along this path. But you're still in the midst of it, so we're going to talk about that in a second. But when I got to Baylor in June of 2014. Uh, I called three people on my first day in the job. One was you, one was Travis McEnroe, and one was Hunter Shattuck, because you were all three verbally committed to Greg Priest at Baylor when I got the job. Mm-hmm. And I remember I was talking to you, but I also talked to your dad, and, and he got most of the conversation, which your dad generally does, right? Yeah, he's quite the talker. Yeah. <laughs> he's a heck you of a talker. You don't have to talk too much when you're on the phone with him. You didn't say two words your first couple of years in college, so I, I thought, where did you? Surely you're not this man's son. <laughs> That's why I couldn't get a word in around the house, so I had to learn to. Exactly, exactly. But no, you you were one of three commitments that I accepted from Greg Priest, and I'm thankful that he had all three of you. All three really good kids and good players, uh, but. Were you kind of, I mean, I know it had to have been a shock to you because you had committed to one man and now he's gone and then they've got this new coach and you didn't know who I was. Uh, yeah, I did, actually. You I did? Actually, yep. I watched that national championship that year. Was at Prairie Dooms, right? That was. Yeah, uh, yeah you didn't know I was going to be your coach at that State. point. No, yeah. no, I don't even know if. Um, yeah, I committed in the very end of April. 1st of May, right mm-hmm. at the state golf tournament is when I committed to Coach Priest. And he called me a few weeks later saying that he was going to take the uh, position at Tyler ISD. And I was thinking, well, <laughs> this is going to be interesting because I, I don't know what I should do. Should I decommit? And I was like, ah, we'll just we'll wait the situation out and, and see how it plays out. Um, I really wanted – I loved Waco. I loved Baylor. It's kind of where I wanted to be. So I was just going to – I mean, the coaching situation was a huge part of why I committed there, but um, I decided I would stick it out and stay and, and see what happened, and something really good happened, and you got stuck with me, so. Well, I did get stuck with you, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk about our time together at Baylor real quick. For, and so this is, uh, you know, about every fifth or sixth podcast, there's a Baylor person, and you're, you're obviously a Baylor guy, but during your time at Baylor, you were a Golf Week All-American in 2018, I believe. Uh, we won the regional championship one year. We were ranked number one in the country for two weeks one year. Uh, we made match play that year at the national championship. Your senior year, you won the Big 12 match play championship. Individually, you had two victories. And you're the only Baylor golfer in history to play in every single event for your entire career. Yeah, that's pretty crazy. That is crazy. You played a lot. Of, I don't even know what the number of tournaments was, but it was a lot. It was a lot. And uh, so all of that happened while you were here. Now, obviously, you didn't do it by yourself because you had some teammates like Hunter oh, Shattuck yeah. and Matthew Perrine and, and Garrett May, and you had some great teammates. Mm-hmm. But that's a lot that, of things that had never happened in the history of Baylor golf. So I, I'm going to say it's not an accident. I think you had a lot to do with that. And I had a little to do with it. Well, you the did. It definitely helped. It definitely helped. But 
it was just to so t- describe your time at Baylor, why it was so good for you, why you're thankful you did it, and you got your degree as well. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Hope we don't need that, but <laughs> hey. Um, so I I came here. I actually, honestly, probably the best thing I did was I came here um, during the summer session. Garrett Garrett May and me came up that summer, so that was your idea to kind of just get accustomed to college life to Waco, and we got to play Ridgewood every day, which is huge. So we aren't behind the eight ball um, once qualifying started. So I just kind of came in. I didn't know what to expect really uh, once school started, but um, got off to a really good start the first round of qualifying. 62. Then, yeah. And then it kind of never looked back from there. I, I played the, I mean, yeah, like you said, I played every single tournament. I mean, it, it was just such a great experience. Just not only, watching the university grow and watching myself grow as a person but Waco grew a lot in my four years here too and just the entire athletic department as well but I mean I started here gosh is this what 125 pound yeah, I was gonna say freshman. you said you watched yourself grow literally <laughs> literally you grew literally I gained 15 pounds and from my freshman uh, fall to spring and mm-hmm. I picked up what six seven miles per hour club head speed at least um that was another huge thing for me is just the amount of people you meet like bill alcorn made such a big difference on my golf just that semester we got that speed the speed training program in in the instituted i guess will be the word yeah and um i mean that literally i mean i don't think I, i didn't have a top 10 that entire fall semester my um freshman year and i think i had five or six that spring semester it like completely changed my golf game um and from that point on I played really well that summer um my freshman year and then sophomore year was playing fine the fall and then spring was the first time I think I I kind of went through a little rough patch a little struggle um kind of hurt my summer a little bit that summer or I hurt my shoulder a little bit that summer and um didn't that was the first tournament I think in my life I ever had to withdraw from from like an injury, so that was kind of a weird a weird stretch. Um, got back junior year, found my game again, played really really good for uh, for a while. Won the first tournament of the spring, and then another rough patch, and then senior year came around. And I just played pretty terrible, honestly. But um, it it was really cool just because. Even when you're struggling, the struggle in college, I feel like, is so much easier because you have so many guys around you supporting you, just your teammates, your coaches, and everybody's really working to kind of get you through that rut. And you have so many guys wanting you to succeed and wanting you to do better because if I'm playing better, the team's going to perform better and we're going to make runs at nationals and and do what we're capable of. Um, And you that's the thing with pro golf is you don't quite have that same camaraderie like I have buddies I travel with that um that I love being around and they want me to do well we support each other we want each other to play well but you don't have that same that quite that same camaraderie day to day and I I miss that but I mean overall the college experiences was awesome the turn the tournaments we played the courses we got to travel to um what was your favorite course in college Olympia Fields and there's, there's a lot though. Olympia mm-hmm. Fields, my favorite course of all time is Olympic Club, where mm-hmm. I played yep. a couple amateur tournaments. Um, I love the Floridian. 
I love Carencia. I love Cabo. I mean, yeah, taking a pretty trip good. to Cabo every year. I mean, it's pretty rough. <laughs> pretty good experience yeah. you had while you were in college. Yeah. So, you know, you were being a little hard on yourself. I mean, you didn't play, I wouldn't call it terrible. You had flashes of brilliance every semester you played. There were just some rough stretches. Mm-hmm. But, no, I get it. I get what you're saying. <laughs> But you played a lot of good golf for Baylor, and I don't think it's an accident that we had so much success while you were here. You had great teammates. You obviously uh, pushed them. I think you were probably one of the hardest workers that I've coached, and I've coached a lot of players and through the years that have worked hard. Maybe if we had it to do over again, we might work a little differently. Yeah. So describe that, because you, you could hit more golf balls than just any five guys standing on the tee but what yeah. would you change yeah that's the strange thing is i grew up on like i said i grew up on that nine hole course and we didn't even have a driving range there so i've never been a guy that really beats balls i, I never warmed up to play around the golf until like high school really yeah. for a high school term i would just show up and mm-hmm, just and play because that's what i that's what i did even in tournaments growing up i would just kind of show up 20 minutes before hit some putts and go that's what i mm. grew up doing um, so I didn't, it's, it's kind of unusual that that's kind of how I got started in golf. And then I just kind of got to college and, um, you, you just, you're going to struggle in golf like we talk about. And I guess I, well, I guess I don't guess I, I know that I kind of just got too technical cause I'm a homegrown guy. I've never yep. had a swing coach. I've never worked with anybody. I just, like I said, show up and play golf and my swing is even with that, I don't really have a very homegrown swing, though. Technically, my swing's pretty good. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I started struggling that sophomore year, and I kind of got stuck behind just videoing my swing too much. And that's one thing you always you always preach to us is golf's played on the golf course, not not on the video monitor. And um, Yeah, but if I could enter something here right here. Okay, mm-hmm. so you remember me saying that to you. Yeah. Braden, let's get off the practice tee. Let's go play some golf. But there's something about, maybe it's almost like a drug. If, yeah. if I'll just hit a few more balls, if I'll just see my video, maybe it'll get better. And it's like you can't get away from it. And, and you had a hard time with that. And yeah. so if you did struggle, that was part of it. It was a big part of it. And it's just being a perfectionist. I mm-hmm. mean, you, you're just so hard on yourself. And I can be on the range and hitting it just mm-hmm. awesome. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh no, that doesn't feel right, or, oh, the club's not in the right spot here, I want it to be here, and you can just drive yourself crazy. And it's not really doing your game any good anyways, worrying about that kind of stuff, because at least for me, if I'm thinking about that stuff on the golf course instead of, okay, this is my target, just hit it here, here's where I need to miss, instead of just thinking kind of like where I need to play the shots to, just thinking about course management, if I'm thinking about golf swing instead of, golf then I'm already just giving shots to the rest of the field to the other guys and that that was kind of what I think really got me slumping bad the first time it was kind of getting caught up in all that because you kind of lose the artistry and Mm -hmm. the creativity that I grew up with playing in that little nine hole course so maybe here we are in the middle of you. You told me you've missed five cuts in a row, although you're missing them by a shot or so. You're yeah. you're playing or pretty two, well. Or, three, or, okay, <laughs> we're we're like we're not. Yeah, we're not just, down. We're shooting even par in yeah. the tour golf. That's okay. what's happening. That's a we're, tough deal. Yeah. but so maybe you ought to listen to your own advice. Maybe. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm trying. That's one thing I've done. Uh, 
I think I talked to you last time I was in Waco that you have us write tournament summaries um, at the end of every tournament, mm-hmm. and <laughs> at the time you're doing it, we're kind of rolling our mm-hmm. eyes at yep. you. But uh, honestly, I'm so grateful we did that because I look back at, like I said, I played great golf freshman year and into that freshman summer, and I look back at all the summaries I had saved a freshman and just how I was – because that's one thing I'm working on right now too. We can get into that another time is like being more introspective because I'm not a very introspective mm-hmm. person. You saw that in the summaries that I would write. I did. But um, I was just getting back to those summaries and looking at – what was I thinking on the golf course or with my golf swing or what was going on? And all I really talked about was just staying patient. And if I thought any technical thoughts, it was like sit around balance and rhythm and mm-hmm. tempo and, and stuff like that. And I was thinking, man, I haven't thought about anything tempo or rhythm related in years. So that's really all I've been focusing on the last, well, I kind of took a little, sabbatical yeah mid-year sabbatical from golf but the last month and a half is all i'm trying to think is rhythm balance tempo and it's got to be helping finding yeah no i'm hitting it much better i'm just even par just (laughs) doesn't cut it in mini tour golf the thing is the courses we're playing i feel like my game would travel well if i played super difficult golf course Mm -hmm. i'm hitting it where i want to i'm hitting a lot of quality golf shots it's just a matter of kind of converting the putts and sharpening out the short game a little bit, which is where I'm really – I've always been a really good wedge player, and they just haven't been very good to me, which really, really hurts you. Mm, it on does on those tour. golfers. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it really hurts you if you're not wedging it well. Well, let's get off the all-pro tour for just a second and talk about you got an exemption, a, spo- a sponsor exemption to play in the Houston Open. I believe it was your first year as a professional. Yep, yeah, a few months after I turned pro. Yeah, so sometime in the fall of 2019. And uh, you made the most of that opportunity that we described the week you played and made the cut on the in the Houston Open. Yeah, no, it's uh, it was really cool because uh, we played that course in college. So I played it all four years. It's pretty much my hometown event. I'm from the Houston area, so I grew up an hour and 15 minutes um, from the golf course. And it's kind of funny to go back to the college event there that we would uh, that I'd play there every year and my dad and he would just gather up mm. all of his friends it's actually incredible and we would pro- I'd probably have what 30 to 40 people following in your gallery my you were almost embarrassed as i remember well, they were like... tailgating in the parking lot <laughs> <laughs> they would literally have, be cracking beers open at 8:30 in the parking lot when when we're warming up for the event but um yeah, that was honestly I laughed at it and I was kind of embarrassed at the time, but it actually did a pretty good mm. job of of preparing me for that situation. Obviously, you're never going to be fully prepared for the nerves that they're going to that are going to hit you on the first tee box of your first ever PJ Tour event, but Do you tee off the front or back nine that week? I teed off the back, which you'd prefer the tee shot on mm. one, I guess. Yeah. The 10 tee shot isn't too bad. Um I just I've never been so nervous in my <laughs> life, I don't think. Um, I remember I talked to Hunter Hunter Shattuck, who we mentioned earlier. One of my old teammates came and watched me uh, that first round. And he. T- I talked to him after the round. I played great that day. But I talked to him after the round. He goes, you just looked like a ghost. And <laughs> <laughs> I, I wish you good luck walking the first tee. And I was like, Hunter, I, I can't even explain how nervous I was. Um, and just kind of hit a weak little three-wood out to the right, 105 yards. Just this weak right wedge, short-sided. I'm like, okay, let's not make a mess of this. Chip it to 15 feet past the hole, two-putt for bogey on 
with from 105 yards. I'm thinking, oh my goodness, let's uh, let's figure something out. And the next hole, I hold out from 175 yards. Okay, <laughs> second second hole of my PJ Tour career, just hold it out. And that that calmed the nerves. After that, I was off to the races and, and played played great that first round. You shot under par that day, I think. Yeah, I was. I played really well. I was. I think tied for seventh after the first day, shot 67, and we kind of had some uh, some weather come through Friday and Saturday, um, but I was in good shape um, after the first three days, just tied for 20, like 25th or mm-hmm. so, and just didn't play. We had no win, pretty easy day the last day, didn't play great, but the overall experience is just, was just, I mean, I, I had so much fun. I've never had more fun on the golf course than I had that first round you think you can you think you can draw from that experience the next time you get in that spot where you're actually playing a pga tour event yeah absolutely i felt it was such a strange feeling because i was so i went from feeling so uncomfortable um the first hole to holding out the second hole and just feeling so comfortable the rest of the round and it was just like that experience itself it was just kind of like man i feel like this is where i'm meant to be almost um so just having that, proving myself, okay, I've been here, done that. I know I can compete out here. It's a, it's huge for the confidence. And just the biggest thing is being able to handle your emotions under that pressure on that stage. And especially I tell people like Thursday, Friday, it's not nearly the same as like Saturday, Sunday, just the energy, the atmosphere around around the place, the crowds. It's a, it's a lot different coming down, even though I wasn't contending necessarily Saturday or, su- or Sunday, really. Just the crowd around 18 compared to the crowd around 18 Thursday and Friday. It wasn't wasn't nearly the or, same. Or the crowd at a college tournament. <laughs> well, I don't know. I had a pretty big crowd at that tournament. But, yeah, it's not, it's not the same. Um, I guess nationals, we kind of you'd see a crowd and stuff, especially once you got to match play. But yeah, it's not nearly the same as a stadium. Of I mean, it's not the stadium at sixteen at waste management, but you still have grandstands lining the holes and a bunch of people just a little intoxicated. That's what people don't realize is it gets kind of it gets raucous. It gets raucous. So I've got I've got a statistic right now that you have a chance to be the only person in the history of golf to do this. You know what that is? (laughs) No, but I'd love to hear it. Make the cut in 100% of the PGA Tour events you play. (laughs) Yeah. Somebody told, my buddy told me that. He's like, man, your main cut percentage is better than Tiger Woods It's better than Tiger Woods. Retired. I'm like, hey, thought about it. (laughs) But I think it's kind of cool that you do have that experience you can draw on and you'll be back in the PGA Tour event Mm -hmm. one day. So let's talk about where you are right now. You're playing the All Pro Tour which honestly is amazing to me because now I realize you're playing little smaller towns, smaller golf courses, um, but you play a 72 old event with a cut. Yeah. It kind of gets you used to doing that. And there's plenty of guys that are playing the PGA Tour now or the Corn Ferry who played on that tour. Oh, yeah. And so it's like a great place to, to work your game through there. So tell me this. What's the biggest challenge you've had besides not playing your best golf? What's the biggest challenge? Um, yeah, I mean, it's really just, yeah, it really probably pretty much revolves around not playing great golf, but, um, the travel aspect of it, everybody complains like you're in the car for eight hours. I don't mind. I'll just turn on a podcast Mm -hmm. and just get going. I mean, I have a ton of different podcasts I listen to. And you ever listen to Better Than I Found It? I actually do, okay. yeah. yeah. Just I do, sure. but I have 
I have it depends what mood I'm in. I'll listen to this. I'll listen to I have other plenty of other golf podcasts or live podcasts or motivational investing just just whatever to kind of yeah keep the mind going. Um, so that aspect of it isn't as tough as I thought it would be. It's an adjustment for sure because um, he I, I haven't experienced the corn fairy where they can be on the road. 10 weeks in a row mm-hmm. at times, but I've been on the road three, four weeks in a row and it, it does wear on you, but it's fun. It's fun to be out there because there's, it's different. Cause I've carried for some buddies on corn Ferry. I played Houston up on the PGA tour. Just the camaraderie out there is we're all, we're all out there slumming it together, not playing for that much money. The APT does a great job of giving us a place to play and giving us good purses, all things, mm-hmm. all things considered. But we're all in the same situation, slumming it, sharing hotel rooms, eating well, at Chili's every I'm other night. I'm thinking about this. You got to know Sam Stevens, who was a golfer at Oklahoma yeah. State. Oh, and, I've known Sam for a long Sam's time. And Sam's playing beautifully on the Corn Ferry now. And mm-hmm. he started right where you are right now. And yeah. he had some struggles where you are right oh, yeah. now. So it's not like, I mean, to me, it's like, well, okay, these are my buddies. And some of them get to the next stage. And then they get to the next stage. And you're going, I can do that too. So you got to keep that hope and belief. Oh, yeah, it's definitely motivation. I mean, you go, I mean, even the PJ Tour guys. Like, I've known Scotty since mm-hmm. high school. You see Sam out there, Victor. I keep calling. I play with all these guys. I know I can play with them. So you see that, and, and it builds that belief. But you're also thinking, okay. They're out there. I gotta mm-hmm. kind of get out there, get out there and catch up in a way. But yeah, Sam. You know, the first time I played with Sam was actually here in Waco at the Starburst. At the Starburst. Yeah, we were nine and ten. Wow. So I've known Sam for a while. But yeah, seeing what he's done, he he ran that tour for oh, a couple of years during COVID, and I mean, he's obviously a really good player, and he's gonna do really well. He's having a pretty good year so far on the Corn Ferry, but so he's. For you, it's way, it has nothing to do with jealousy. It's more than anything, it's motivation. You're excited yeah. for them, but you know that's where I could be yeah. too. So. A little jealous of them too. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> when I'm sitting in the hotel room in Garden City after missing my third cut in a row, I'm a little jealous of them. But um, but it is it is that extra motivation for sure because I know that I can play with them and I can compete with them and I can be out there. But like we've talked about at different times, everybody has their own process and everybody has their own um like no two careers are are going to go the same direction or going to take the same amount of time like we we have no idea where our career path's going to take us especially in golf i mean all it takes is one week and mm-hmm. your life is literally changed in this game so you know one of the things i used to, used to preach to you when you were in college was that two there were two qualities i think are really really important in life so it doesn't matter what endeavor you're doing, but one is hard work or in industriousness, like really working hard at something, which you do. And the other is enthusiasm or a love for what you're doing. So I'm going to ask this question. You've struggled. You haven't gotten to where you want to get to. You're still playing, so you obviously have a belief that it could happen. Do you still love the game of golf? Yeah. Yeah, it, I'm starting to love it again. Okay. It's been, it's been a process. I mean, I there was probably... Whew, um, I missed getting through Q or first stage of Q school this last year by a shot. Mm-hmm. Um, and that kind of hit me pretty hard. And I was like, mm, this golf thing's not very fun. I had a rough off season, which normally in the off season, I do a very good job of preparing for the staying motivated, preparing my body and working out pretty well and, um, preparing 
my game for that next season, but I did just an absolutely terrible job this offseason of that. Um, and I think it was some of us just lack of motivation, just golf kind of wears on you at times, and I just kind of, yeah, the love for it wasn't quite there because there's times out here where it just you don't want it to, but it just feels like a job. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I've talked to my family about it, friends, especially friends, because I have – I have some guys, buddies, they're doing really well in their jobs and careers, and they're over here, they're buying houses, you know, making pretty good money, and I'm like, well, I have a finance degree, I can do that, and they go, Braden, I am so jealous of what you're doing right now, just traveling around, doing your own thing, and they're like, I'll trade places with you right now, and that, hearing that from them, when I, I'm kind of envious of their situation at times, it kind of makes me realize it's a it's something we've talked about a lot you've talked about with us a lot is just the whole perspective on life and just to be grateful in the situation you're that's in front of you and kind of at times it can be tough but if I have guys wanting to trade places with me I know it can't be it can't be all that bad it's not like I'm sitting at a desk all day from nine to five no but they're so. also jealous that you can hit a seven iron the way you can too yeah. so it's like they've always <laughs> wanted to be able to do that actually there's i think there's something wrong with my seven iron right now i'm <laughs> telling you i'm telling you i have hit my any other iron i will just hit it perfect straight straight up in the air right where i want the seven iron i don't know you better get that fixed i'm I had to call Brad. So but. back in college, I want to remind you of this. Um, we left early to go to a tournament in Alabama, and you got down there without your eight iron. Oh, gosh. And um, so what had ended up happening is you pulled the clubs out of your truck, and the eight iron dragged and yeah, stayed in there. Hot. We had to borrow an eight iron from J.C. Will at the University of Alabama. Yep. He had one exactly like it, and I think you played well that week, and he took credit for it. And then you came back, and your eight iron was in your truck. Yeah, no, I played well. It's really funny that week. I I played really good that first round, I think. I think I, and I, at one point I made four birdies in a row. And <laughs> we're on this downhill par three. And it is just the most perfect eight iron. Mm-hmm. But there's trouble on both sides. It was number uh, number eight yeah. in Old Overton. Mm-hmm. There's trouble on both sides. And it's just such a perfect eight iron down the hill. And I have Coach Sewell's eight iron. I haven't hit it enough. And I'm like, I'm... I'm not going to hit this. The pin's on the back ridge. I'm like, I'm just going to hit nine iron 30 feet short of the ridge and just put it up. And I hit it 30 feet short. And Coach Sewell, I was playing with Davis Riley, and Coach Sewell looks at me and goes, he goes, scared to hit that eight iron? I said, yep, I am, Coach. <laughs> and I hit it. I actually hit it the rest of the week a few times. I hit it great, actually. But um, that that was pretty funny. I Actually, yeah, I did play well that week, too. So you did. credit to Coach Sewell. Thank yeah, you very much. Yeah, Jay Sewell, he's just helping everybody. And I was very convinced that TSA stole my eight iron of all uh, – yeah, why would somebody steal your eight iron, Braden? You know. were anyway. Oh, that was funny though. That was one time you got in trouble with me in college. I think you had to do a workout for that one. So yeah, the old gauntlet. Old gauntlet. So listen, uh, okay. So I'm going to ask one more question. This winter, you said you had a really tough time. So what do you think the best way is when you're going through a mental struggle in golf, and golf just beats you down occasionally? But so how how do you come out of that? What do you do as a young mini tour pro? Um. For me, the biggest thing was what I've done, especially recently, especially in the last few months, is like we talked, we touched on earlier, is I haven't been, I'm not the most introspective person in the world, I would say. Um, so I've done, a, uh, you actually gave me the book um, by Ryan Holiday. Yeah. Obstacle, Obstacle is the way. Yeah. I actually just listened to a podcast with him. Yeah. He's got a it. good podcast. He, mm-hmm. It's actually, he's on the um 
like Joe Rogan came out with the podcast this week with him on it. It's three hours long, but it's a really good one too. Oh. But um, I was kind of reading that book and I was realizing, okay, we have Marcus Aurelius, one of the greatest like thinkers, men, yeah, thinkers men, yeah. of all time, yep. like the most powerful person in the world of his time. If he can take the time each day to kind of journal and write his thoughts down and live with the humility in which he lives, then I can probably do something of that sort to better myself. And I know you've always been a habitual journaler. Um, so I've actually done a much better job of, I've actually started to kind of journal a bit and write down just kind of what I'm thinking, what I'm feeling. And that's just helped me so much, not necessarily on the course, mm-hmm. but just in mm-hmm. life. And yep. I think the biggest thing you you see guys, you listen to interviews with like a Rory or Rom, who I think are kind of some of the better thinkers in pro golf, kind of the smarter minds. They, they're both kind of big into philosophy and that kind of sort of thing. Um, but you look at you look at those guys, and they just seem to have this great balance off the course and on the course. And I, I that's something I've really been trying to strive towards is is finding that balance, because you get sucked into golf as your life, golf as your job, and when it sucks, when you're playing bad golf, then mm. that really takes a toll on how you're feeling and how you're it just everything in your life, and you just can't let the two of those things kind of run hand in hand. You have to, I've done a better job of kind of taking control of the off the course stuff. And it's, it hasn't necessarily paid off on the course yet, but I, I feel a trend coming to where I, I feel like I am like making progress and having a more positive outlook on the course. And, and even though the results haven't been how I wanted, um, I'm trying to be, much more optimistic because it's really easy to kind of get sucked into especially on the mini tours and stuff just this negative oh the world's against me mm-hmm. like nothing's going right for me oh my gosh my ball just plugged in this bunker oh my gosh i'm in a divot it's the end of the world and really looking back after talking to my friends and everything you you just need to have this better perspective on life like i'm grateful the sense of kind of gratefulness and that I'm grateful to be in the situation I'm in, even though it's not ideal, not where I want to be. Um, this is what the hand I'm dealt, and I have to make the most of it. So that's kind of what I've done a much better job of doing. I really, it's just been kind of the last few months, especially, but starting this year, I knew I kind of needed to make a change in, in that front of my life, and I feel like I'm I'm getting there, and hopefully the golf will follow. Yeah, you know, there, I don't remember who wrote it, who said it, but I remember a quote, basically, if I can paraphrase, it said, years from now, you'll look back at the struggles and you'll realize how incredibly good those were for you. Yeah. Now, that's paraphrasing. But, but essentially, uh, a tour player right now, even though this isn't many tour player, it's not that fun going through, missing a cut or whatever. Mm-hmm. But the truth is, when you do make it eventually, I mean, this is going to be the time when you forged all of that all of the strength and all the courage to push through tough time. I mean, it's going to benefit you in the in the long run. You just don't feel it right now all the time. Yeah. So, yeah, but, and you're going to deal with adversity at all levels of golf. Yeah, you are. That was something I. It's strange, but I never really. I never. I was always been a super consistent junior player. Um, so I never really struck. I had a stretch where I struggled until college. So I didn't really 
necessarily know what to do. Um, but I've struggled. <laughs> hmm. I've I've had good stretches of golf since then. I've had good, great stretches of golf since then, and bad stretches also. And I feel like I'm doing a better job of learning what to do to get through those ruts. And um, well, I can tell you this: from when I saw you in the winter, the motivation was pretty low, and you didn't feel oh, real yeah. good about it. But it's great to see you smiling again. It's great to see you motivated and excited, and your enthusiasm is high right now. I yeah, like that. It needs to be. Got to get ready for Q school. <laughs> better believe So I gotta. Got to get the game in shape for that. So. Well, let's talk about this. So the next uh, step up on the AP2 tour is Texarkana, yep. where your college roommate, Garrett May, is – I think he holds yep. the course record there still. Oh, he still does? I think so. Maybe not. Might I, have to, I don't know. He Might have to take it from him. He, you should do that. <laughs> but that's in a couple of weeks, right? Yeah. So. Yep. I'll be staying with him. So hopefully, okay. we can, hopefully we can clip the course record and just give him the earful all weekend. That oh, would well, be wonderful. That would be wonderful. Well, you him. I want to say thanks for taking the time to come by today and sharing some very vulnerable, you know, feelings and thoughts about where you are in, in life and golf. But I think also a lot of people that listen to this, young college players or even young mini tour pros, should hear this because it's like, you know what? My perspective is going to take me out of this. It's so much better than it used to be. So Yeah, yeah. And you're going to struggle in life no matter what you do. So you just kind of have to find a way out. And you can have people around you that – support you and help you and talk you through it but it's really your responsibility to kind of pull yourself up and kind of take charge of your life so and that's kind of what I've been trying to do and it's it's been I feel much better about life right now it's just the golf will follow I'm convinced well I'm kind of excited because I think you're going to win at Texarkana and then this I'm gonna look like a genius on this podcast yeah, I so. Hope so I could really <laughs> use a win right now I could just use a made cut honestly I got be honest, but well, thanks again, Braden, for coming by. Best of luck at everything. Keep keep working hard and keep enjoying the game. All right. Thanks, Coach. Thanks uh, for having me on. All right. We'll see you.